For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of chopchat.com. Hope you guys are doing well. Episode 47. Man, two episodes in less than a week. Man, what's going on? Countdown to uh, FSU's opening game against Duquesne here uh, later in August. But uh, had a few things that happened since we recorded last. Uh, if you're listening to the last podcast, I hit on a few things. And as soon as I finished recording, we got a commitment from blue chip running back uh, Samuel Singleton. Singleton. So I want to talk about that along with just some observations from um, the scrimmage and fall camp. But before we do that, I want to reach out to our sponsor, uh, BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with the first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join Make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. But yeah, man, so uh, big, big time commitment from Samuel Singleton, in-state uh, Florida kid, blue chip first, blue chip running back, committed to FSU since Lawrence Tour Philly in the two, 2020 class, I think it was, the transition class between Willie Taggart and Mike Norvell. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think it's a great get. It's a guy that they had to have. You know, he was one of the top targets along with um, Dylan Smothers out of North, here in North Carolina, not far from me. Smothers committed to uh, Oklahoma a, a while back. thought it was notable that both guys – took their official visit uh, on the same weekend. So at one point, you know, it was looking pretty good. I shouldn't say looking pretty good, but, you know, there was some thought that we could land both of those guys. But obviously Smothers went to Oklahoma. So then it became really imperative that FSU were to land Singleton. And you know, after he visited FSU, then he went went to visit Penn State unofficially. Um, I think he went up there a couple of times. And it went up there um, the last weekend in July whenever FSU had their big recruiting event. Um, but I think that visit was already scheduled, you know. So it took a little longer than expected, but it was good to get the news the other night. Kind of kind of out of the blue, really. And it was something that FSU needed as they uh, get close to the season. That commitment um, jumped FSU uh, into the mid-30s as far as national ranking. Uh, put them over. 50% uh, overall as far as blue chip ratio. They have, um, I think it's six blue chip guys now. And um, Singleton is the number 15 overall running back. And the biggest thing about Singleton is he has incredible speed. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but he has verified time in the 100 meters 
a 10.86 as a sophomore. He ran that time um, last spring, spring 21 as a sophomore. So, I mean, that's that's moving. That's moving. And when you watch this film, you see him just pulling away from guys like it's not even it's not even funny. Um, probably, probably needs to, well, he definitely needs to put on some size and, um, and he will, we've seen, uh, young, uh, running backs like Rodney Hill come in, you know, he's been at FSU for what, seven months and he looks like a totally different player since he's been in Josh Storm's uh, strength and conditioning uh, program. But, um, I, I saw some guys, uh, over at, uh, two, four, seven, uh, they were kind of critiquing, uh, Singleton's, uh, footage and, you know, I don't know if they just watched one highlight film or whatever and and you know they were pointing out that he he bounces a lot of things outside and i i'm going to post a, a link to the highlights that i found for singleton and they were posted like 10 months ago so um what I, what i saw was a guy that i mean yeah he can bounce it outside because his speed allows him to do that but uh, in the highlight that i saw he ran several times up the middle, you know, just kind of just one cut, boom, and he was right up the gut and um, got up in space and just ran away from guys. So um, I know they were some of those guys were saying that, you know, he runs like a sprinter and, and he does whenever he's out in the open field. I mean, you should. You're striding it out. You're trying to outrun somebody. But I felt like whenever he was near the line of scrimmage, he did a pretty good job. I mean, most guys are going to need to work on pad level and run on lower. You you saw that's something that um, Yak has been working on with Trey Benson, and he's been in college for two years. But um, Singleton Singleton he'll he'll lower he'll get low as he gets in traffic. Um, you know, then he kind of he kind of stands up almost like a spinner. You know, if you ever watch a guy running a hundred meter. Um, if you ran track, they'll tell you to stay really low, like in the first 30 meters, and then gradually kind of kind of lift your head up and start striding it out. And so you you do kind of see that that track a little bit in him, but at the point of attack, I don't I don't really see a huge huge problem with him as far as running high a lot of times. And you I saw in the footage you know, he he broke a lot of tackles. He's not a guy that you can just you know just one guy is going to take him down. He he runs strong for somebody that's um, about 180 pounds. Um, so another thing too, is uh, if you go back, if you've been following FSU long enough, you go back and you listen to some of the things that Jimbo Fisher used to say about Dalvin cook and Dalvin, his first, you know, when he got to FSU, you know, he tried to bounce everything outside as well. And Jimbo used to talk about teaching Dalvin to, you know, to have a little patience, you know, wait, let, you know, set the blocks up and then, then explode. And you, you didn't really see Dalvin explode on the scene until like game, like what, game seven? I think it was like against Louisville or somebody. And so somebody even as, as talented as Dalvin, you know, you, you have to teach them patience and how to read blocks and set up and things like that. I mean, those guys naturally have vision too, but there's still an, an art as far as like just being patient on certain plays and letting things develop before you, uh, you know, you hit that hole. But overall, it's a very, very good get. Uh, puts FSU up to, like I said, number 34 overall with a 90.27 per player average, which is uh, higher than 18 other schools that are placed uh, ahead of them as far as the national ranking. So uh, other teams are ahead of FSU mainly just because of sheer volume, you know, having like 18 to 19 commitments, whereas FSU only has 12. And so uh, another key thing, too, is, you know, I've talked about FSU really targeting specific guys, quality guys at certain positions and, and hitting. 
you know, so uh, they've got they've gotten some key targets on the D line, defensive end, offensive line. You know, they they had to have a, a they had to have a good running back in this class. They achieved that with the commitment from Singleton, um, and you know, it looks like they may be able to add a quality guy linebacker. Like they had to have a quality guy linebacker, and so you know, the other positions, you know, like I said, it's 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 kind of where they're like. Not not throwing the positions away, but it could be that, you know, if they don't find somebody that they like at certain positions, then they may just go to the portal and um, and see if they can get somebody that can contribute even a little earlier and require less development. And um, so that may be the route that it take at certain positions. So um, happy to have Singleton on. Uh, great take. And um, yeah, so we'll see who they can land next. Hopefully they can land a couple guys before the season starts. Um, but want to get into the uh, not necessarily the scrimmage. You know, I think one of the key things to take away from what we've experienced over the first week and the first scrimmages, as far as defense goes, I think Adam Fuller has a general idea of who. You know, obviously defensive line is I think is pretty much set. Probably uh, linebacker linebacker is probably set. The secondary is probably set. Uh, aside from the field cornerback position, though I think at all of those positions they have uh, multiple guys that can play and probably will play, uh, you know, a lot of snaps. So as far as coining someone a starter at different positions, I don't I don't think that's really that big of a deal as far as like hey he's starting or he's not starting. All of those guys are going to play a lot of reps. And so um, the key thing I took away from Fuller was somebody asked him about depth and, and having a lot of experience returning. And he talked about uh, becoming multiple as a defense. And so basically, you know, he's talking about, hey, instead of just being a base defense and doing this and doing that, you know, you can have different guys doing different things. And if you think about it in his first year or two, you know, they wouldn't do uh, a ton of exotic blitzes. And whenever they did try to blitz, it was poorly timed and, um, you know, guys really, you know, just telegraphed that they were coming. And now that they have more experience, more continuity, and they kind of have the base packages down pat, I think you you see them be able to do a little more as far as uh, putting guys in different positions to attack and um, and try to create more opportunities to um, impact the game with splash plays and things like that. Um, so defensively, I, you know, I, I've said all along, I think those guys are going to be um, sound. And um, but when it comes to the offense, one thing, you know, people need to take into consideration. I know everybody's like, oh, well, you know, um, the quarterbacks did this. The quarterbacks did that. Although the reports from the scrimmage were all the guys did pretty well. Um, But even if they do struggle, I think you have to remember that the first day of practice, Norvell said that they threw a lot at the, you know, the team as far as installation. And so what I think they're doing is, you know, kind of operating with a sense that, you know, if Jordan Travis doesn't come back next year, then, you know, they're going to be running more of the offense that Noville really wants to run. And so why not, you know, if you kind of have the base stuff in play and Jordan knows those things from last year, uh, probably, you know, spend more time as far as, you know, installing things that they're going to they're going to run whenever Jordan Travis um, isn't back there and the offensive line probably is going to be a bit better and you're going to have a bit better quality uh, wide receiver play 
and uh, and things like that. So uh, I think if you going forward, if you hear that, hey, you know, these guys, you know, they struggle today or, you know, blase, blase. On top of that, you know, the offensive line, you know, isn't set quite yet. You know, there's some guys that are um, nursing some things, and so they're playing some younger guys. So they're still mixing and matching on, on the offensive line. So if you hear people talk about, you know, oh, the offensive line doesn't look good or this or that, you know, they don't have the the first, you know, the top top you know unit set up just yet. They're still mixing and matching. So if they were running, you know, if they had, hey, if they said, hey, these are our, you know, top five, we're going to run out there. And those, those five were struggling and, you know, missing blocks and the quarterback was getting killed. Then, you know, that's, that's one thing, but right now still early. It's kind of like what I was saying in the spring when people were like, Oh, the offensive line sucks. And I'm like, bro, we got months and they're going to add guys between now and then it's too, it's way too early to say that, you know, to draw a conclusion that this, this unit is going to suck or whatever. Um, so just keep that in mind as uh, as we go through um, the practices. And uh, the biggest thing will be the next scrimmage that they have. And uh, Novell said it after practice on uh, Monday. Um, that next scrimmage is really going to be the separator as far as like, hey, you know, this guy's a contender or he's a pretender. Um, and I kind of made that up. You know, he didn't say that. But um, that next scrimmage is probably going to solidify who who's going to be a starter and who's not. Um, of course, they'll still, um, you know, com- you know, force competition at all the positions so that guys can continue to get better and, you know, iron sharp as iron. But you you'll have a general idea of, you know, what you have as a team um, after that second scrimmage. The other thing uh, I think Novell is really um, putting a lot of em- emphasis on is, you know, whenever you have regular practice, you know, they go through different periods and different situations, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll mention like, Hey, we worked on two minute drill. We worked on red zone. We worked on third down, you know, we did special teams or whatever. And whenever, whenever you're doing specific periods and you're like, it's third and short on all the reps, you know, it's third and short. So you, you have that focus to, to make a play, whether you're on offense or defense and so it's easier to maintain that focus, right? But in the scrimmage, it's more like a game. So if it goes from first and 10 to, you know, second and seven and then third and one, you're like, okay, well, it's third and one. You know, we gotta we got to focus and, and get this yard or get a first down. Um, or, you know, when you go from first and 10 to, you know, second and 15, it's a different focus, right? Or if it goes from third and third, uh, second and fifteen to third and eleven, that's a different focus. You know, you you're moving, you're 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 changing different scenarios. You're not you're not having the same. Oh, it's third and short. It's third and short. Third and short. Um, you know, so Novell wants those guys who, whenever those scenarios change, to be able to, to maintain the same focus when they know it's third and short, right? To get that first down to have the same focus whenever it changes and fluctuates from, you know, second and 10 to third and 15 or second and 15 to third and one, you got to have the same energy, the same focus on every play to, you know, to, to play at a high level. And I, and I'm trying to think of a good scenario. And so if you, if you grew up like me on a farm, right, if you know what some, if you know what um, post hole diggers are, right. 
And let's say you're you're trying to you're trying to put a hole in the ground and you have to dig, say, I don't know, say two feet. Right. And and then you say, okay, well, I need I need that hole dug, you know, in a certain amount of rips. Right. Well, you're going to need to bring the same energy on every time you put those post hole diggers in the ground to reach that goal at a certain whatever the rep is, you know, however, however many you, you, you say you can do it in, right? If you kind of do one at 70%, the next two at 100%, the next one at 40%, the next one at 70%, the next one 100%, the next five at 50%, you know, it's going to take longer than it should to get that, that two foot hole dug, right? Norvell was saying, hey, I want you to bring 100% Every time you put those bad boys in the ground. And so, you know, kind of translate that to the football field, whether the play is first and 10, whether it's second and three, third and one, whatever. I don't want you to lose focus. I want you to bring the same energy every time. And so that and that's the difference in, in winning football, guys. You know, and, and this team has improved light years as far as. You know, just the mentality. You know, we would see it back in 2019, and you know, FSU would be winning, and then they would like, you know, fumble the ball, throw an interception, and it was over. It was like the next team would score the next 21 points before FSU could blink, and you, and it was automatic. Like if they turn the ball over, you oh, automatic touchdown for other team. You can go ahead and write it down without question. But now, uh, even last year, you saw when they got punched in the mouth. You know they didn't. They didn't. They didn't cower in a fetal position. You know they. You know like, okay, we got punched in the mouth. You know we're gonna fight back. Um, you know we saw it against Notre Dame. We saw it against Florida. Um, we saw it against Miami. Think of it. I mean, in the Miami game at the beginning of the fourth quarter, whenever Miami went out there, uh, Manny Diaz, like an idiot, told those guys to run out there and, and you know jump in front of FSU's players on the field. You didn't see FSU back down, and then you saw them take take it to Miami in the fourth quarter, and took that that win away from them. So, um, you know, long this team has come a long way, and um, I think they're they're really harping on just the consistency, uh, being consistent, doing the little things, and you know they have more talent than they had before, just doing the little things right, and and they you know they'll be fine. Um, the final thing, because I got I got to get out of here, got to pick up my daughter from work. But uh, I want to talk about uh, do span. Uh, if you went to Chop Chat on Monday morning, you may have read something that I wrote, and it was something that kind of was inspired by some of you guys on Twitter. And I was talking about you know some people were like, oh man, you know he reminds me of Tamari and Terry um, from a couple years ago at FSU. And I was like, man, you know, size wise, they are almost identical speed wise, almost identical to span, maybe a little, even a little bit quicker, uh, faster, um, top end speed than Tamari and Terry. And if you haven't had a chance, go check it out on the site. I, I thought it was a pretty good read. I've got some good feedback on it, but you know, there's a lot of similar similarities in that, uh, Terry was really raw, uh, coming out of a rural uh, high school in uh, Georgia, um, ironically, was high school teammates with Ontario Wilson. That tells you how long Ontario, Ontario Wilson has been at FSU. Good God. But, um, of course, Terry redshirted in 2017. 
Um, came on the scene as a redshirt freshman in 2018, and you remember that offense was dreadful. It was like Terry and Cam Akers, and that was the entire offense. And the offensive line was terrible. DeAndre Francois was terrible. Uh, but one thing Terry could do was, you know, he could run that nine route, hit that deep ball. And, um, you know, he broke a 41-year um, freshman receiver record, 744 yards, 35 receptions, and eight touchdowns. And so I was like, man, you know, he was really limited as a as a freshman, redshirt freshman with a bad offense, and he still was able to, you know, have a lot of production. And so when you look at Duspan, uh, he he redshirted in 2020. He played in nine games last year as a as a, a redshirt freshman at Illinois, and he had five receptions for 124 yards and two touchdowns. And so he's learning a new offense. He he early in you know he enrolled in the spring, so he's he's got an entire spring, summer, and fall camp to learn the offense, uh, similar to to Mario and Terry who had to learn a new offense as a redshirt freshman, right? And so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, man. You know, it's man, if he continues to develop and gain some confidence and Novell puts him in situations to take advantage of his playmaking ability, you know, I, the more I think about it, I'm like, he, you know, because the first seven games of 2018, Tamari and Terry basically averaged two receptions a game. It wasn't until like game, uh, game, Eight, I think it was that he had more than three receptions in the game. Then he had a streak there towards the end where he had like four receptions, five receptions. Uh, he had two 100 yard games, and it was like you know he really started to to come on there towards the end of the year as he uh, you know got more confident, got more reps, and got more experience. And uh, you know, and I said in the piece, there, there, I have a picture. I didn't use it, but there's a picture of Tamari and Terry in an orange jersey. And if you follow the team back then, if you had an orange jersey on, that means you were not, you know, you were not putting in the best effort at, at practice. And that's something that Mike Novell, you know, hasn't had a problem with with Span. You know, he's he's really, really complimented him on his will to become the best and learn and put the work in. And I think that's a testament to Span's you know, work that he's put in since the uh, spring and over the summer to be able to come in and at least make an impact. In, in fall camp now, I am, I'm still a little bit skeptical. You know, I'm like, man, is this this, you know, is this them hyping the guy, you know, trying to build that confidence in him because they really need him to be a deep threat to open things up on the offense. So can he really play? So I'm really looking forward to the next scrimmage for Span and looking at uh, where he's placed on the dip chart whenever they release the first dip chart. If he's, if he's listed as a, as a starter, then you know it's you know it's real because Mike's not going to put anybody out there that, that can't help the team win, right? So that's something to 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 take into account. And then when you look at it, Span averaged twenty five yards per reception last year. At Illinois now it was only five receptions, but bro, twenty five yards per reception. Tamari and Terry averaged twenty one like twenty one point three yards per reception uh, in those first seven games. Uh, at FSU. And um, so there's a lot of similarities to those guys. And I really, I really think it comes down to, you know, obviously this podcast is titled built, you know, built for playmakers, right? Uh, Kind of a a play on Mike Novell saying, or Kenny uh, Dillingham saying about Novell's offense is built for playmakers. Well, 
it's and they'll tell you it's all about winning those one-on-one matchups. And so if they can find enough opportunities to put Span, you know, out there on a smaller receiver, you know, Span is 6'4, 205 pounds, and can run by guys. And if they can put him in enough situations and enough give him enough opportunities if to where he can catch two passes a game, that's that if he only caught two passes, average two catches per game, that's twenty-four catches in a twelve game season. That will be tied for last year, uh the for uh wide receivers. That would tie the, the team lead for wide receivers last year, twenty four receptions. And you know, and if he's averaging anywhere from fifteen to twenty yards per catch, do the math. That's that's hey, that's production. That's production right there. So not only that, you know, if they can if they can, you know, prove that he's a viable deep threat, then that's gonna force teams to to play to, to have that safety to cover over there, which is going to uh, open up things down in the box for the run game. That takes another defender out of the box uh, because they got to be aware of, of span beating one-on-one coverage out, out uh, on the outside. So um, yeah, I thought it was a good comparison. Shout out to you guys on Twitter that uh, mentioned that. And I, you know, I just did the homework on the comparison and kind of their skill sets and the similarities and learning new offenses and um, you know, all that good stuff. So uh, shout out to you guys. But yeah, so um, that's all I wanted to kind of touch on. Uh, I wanted to get on here really quick and, and, and give you some thoughts and context on different things. A little a little different take than a lot of the people talking about practice and uh, and span and 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 singleton. But again, appreciate the uh, the support. Uh, I look to probably I may you know if things uh, unfold the way I hope they do. Hopefully, I can get back before the, the end of the week and give you a third episode. Uh, just depends on the uh, how, you know, what what breaks and, and all that good stuff. You know, I don't want to get on here and just, you know, talk about nonsense and not really have anything to say without um, some proper context. So um, I really appreciate you guys um, spreading the word on social media. Um, we're uh, closing in on 1000 followers on Twitter and, um, you know, we're still stuck on 32 five star reviews, man. I would love I would love to get us up to 40. So if you have uh, done a five star review way back in the day, you can do a new one. If you have not had an opportunity to do that, um, make sure you um, rate us on your uh, whatever platform you use to listen to the podcast. And um, if you have any suggestions, anything you would like for us to cover, would love to uh, to dig into that, uh, kind of like I did with the uh, Tamari and Terry Duspan comparison. So, um, with all that said, I hope you guys have a, a great week and go notes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.